0: Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles. First of all, to Proverbs. Actually, uh, go to 1 Timothy 1. And we'll go to Proverbs in just a minute. First Timothy chapter one. I'm going to tell you the title of today's message, and then um, it may not sound like that when we go to our first scripture, but there's a reason. I have a preface to the message this morning. You know what a preface is? If you ever wrote a book, there's a preface and there's a foreword. And then there's the first chapter. Well, preface is kind of a a little bit about what the entire book's about, or something that you need to hear before you hear the beginning chapter. And so I want to talk to you about today um, something that I think we can all relate to, and something I think we all want, and there's a total biblical way to get it. 100%, no matter what the world says, no matter what church even says, the scriptures say something about this. So I want to talk to you today about done with disease. It's over. Done with it. Done with disease. Oh, pastor, everybody gets sick once in a while. Says who? Who said that? You need to ask yourself, who's they? Well, you know what they say. Who's they? Because I'm going to tell you right now, most of the time, they is not God at all. God has something to say about your life, child of God. He has something to say about your future. And it's amazing, and it's powerful, and most people on this planet are not living even close to where God has provided for them to live. Amen. Right. Well, you know, I just, you know, I don't know, just most people aren't doing what, what, what that. Most people aren't, and most people are sick, and most people are broke, and most people are sad. Most people are fighting depression. Why would you want to do what most people do when most people are messed up? Go ahead I mean, Jesus himself said, broad and wide is the way to destruction. Many people are going down that road. But straight and narrow is the way to life, and few there be that find it. Should we be following the majority or maybe the few? Because the majority are headed toward destruction. And the interesting thing about it is destruction is okay and normal to them. They think it's a part of life. Everybody has to go through it. No! Everybody doesn't have to go through what everybody's going through. Very few people are living up to what Jesus provided for them because you look a little weird and strange believing these things in a world that has accepted oppression as the norm. You're going to look weird when you break out of that mess and start operating in faith and seeing miracles and healings. You're going to look odd. But you're also going to look healed and delivered and happy and full of peace. <laughs> right? If you care what people think about you, you're not going very far with the Lord. You're not going very far in your faith walk. If you care about looking cool to people, you're not going very far with the Lord. How many of you rather look cool or healed? Well, if you want to look healed, you're going to have to do some things that don't look cool to people. But they're very cool to God. Like, go to church more than once a week. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. And, you know, just again, before we go any farther, we just rebuke COVID-19 and everybody that's ever had any symptoms of it, those watching on camera, we rebuke it. We say, no, you take your hands off the body of Christ in Jesus' name, loose them and let them go. We rebuke disease in this church. Why? Because Jesus didn't. He said, the works I do shall believers do also, and greater works of these shall do shall they do, because I go to my Father in heaven. We rebuke disease. We rebuke it in every person that's a part of this church. COVID-19, you're dead. You are leaving the people immediately in Jesus' name. That's right. That's right. Now, if I didn't say in Jesus' name, it was just a bunch of words. But when I said in Jesus' name, it's as if he was here ministering that. Right. So in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 18... 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul is talking to a young minister about some things that had happened in his life in the ministry, and this is really interesting, and I wanted to bring this out as a preface to the rest of the message. So he said, this charge I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on you. That you by them the prophecies might war a good warfare. So Timothy had some things spoken over his life by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit speaking through the ministers. And Paul said, I'm charging you, Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on you. There was men of God in his life that spoke things over his life by the Holy Spirit. And those prophecies gave Timothy something to war with when times got tough. I know everybody wants a personal prophecy, but can I give you a little newsflash? Oh, I hope the the pastor or the minister prophesies over me and tells me something. Let me tell you, one of the main reasons prophecies will come to you personally, because there's rough sailing ahead, and you're going to need something to war with when it gets tough. How many still want a personal prophecy? (laughs) Now, if it's needed and it comes, it will come. And um, we have personal testimony in this area. That's kind of what I'm sharing here. And so he had prophecies over him. And Timothy had heard things about his calling, his life, his ministry from heaven through another person. And Paul said, don't forget these things. You're going to need to bring these things up at times when doubt and fear and demons try to push you away from the plan of God for your life. Remember the prophecy and war with it and stay on track. Well, Carl and I had a prophecy in 2006. Keith Moore. He'll be here in about a month. And uh, he's used of God mightily in this area. He's very powerful, very honest full of integrity, he would never say anything like this if he didn't hear from God about it, because he knows how serious it is to say something like this. He was flying his airplane in, in the valley here, his jet, and as he was looking at the valley, you know, from uh, Mac to Palisade, <clears throat> you know, the 30 miles, 5 mile wide valley, six cities, a few more suburbs, you know. Um, he, he said the Lord spoke to him. Tell Pastor John and Carla, tell John and Carla, Brother John and Sister Carla, tell them. He did this in a meeting here during Week of Glory. He walked up to us, and I was right there and Carlos right here, and he pointed to me and po- poked me right here and said, this valley is yours. He said, I heard this from the Spirit of God. God's saying to you right now, this valley is yours. I've given it to you. Lay hold on it. Possess it. This valley is yours. He pointed to Carlos and said, this valley is yours. We fell out under the power, I think, yep. and um, got up a few moments later and realized what just happened. The Holy Spirit, through his servant, spoke to us and said, this valley is ours. Now, when he said that, I I knew to a degree what that meant. He meant we have authority and responsibility from heaven to reach every soul in this valley for Jesus. To get him saved, healed, and delivered. God gave, And I started thinking of the Scripture after that. I thought, wow, that's right. There was a Scripture where Jesus said He gave one person ten cities, ruler over ten cities, one person ruler over five cities, another person ruler over two cities, or whatever it was. I thought, wow, does the Lord give people cities? He did. And He gave us six cities. Right? Mack, Loma, Grand Junction, Clifton, Palisade, and Redlands, Orchard, Mesa, Appleton, right? Fruitvale. The Grand Valley. He said, well, I haven't taken that as serious as I needed to. And I'm going to tell you one reason why some people don't seem to have the boldness to rise up against diseases and problems is because their purpose is not clear enough. They have no reason to rise up with boldness. The Bible says where there's no vision, people perish. This is serious stuff. Amen. Well, we got a vision. One translation says where there's no vision, people become demoralized. Why? No reason to get their act together. Nothing greater than their flesh or desires. Nothing to hold them on track. Lack of vision is dangerous. Many have left the earth early because of lack of purpose. And that's the scripture. Where there's no vision, Proverbs 29:18, people perish. It didn't say where there's no vision as you know, people throw a drag. They perish! That's right. It's deadly to not have a vision. Yeah. And that's why Paul said, I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision. Yeah. Right. So I was thinking, before we got into this done with disease... I needed to tell the entire church family, if you're called to this church, if you feel a part of this church, that same word that came to us comes to you because there's no way we can do what the Lord told us to do without others helping us. And the number one thing on our Are You Struggling list that people have been turning in that they're struggling with, you know, we have loneliness on there, we've got fear on there, we've got addictions on there, we've got sickness on there, we've got poverty on there. And we have lack or uh, unclear purpose on there. The number one thing people have been turning in that they've been struggling with is unclear purpose. That stops today. Because if you're part of this church, this valley is yours. God's given it to us. We're going to lay hold on it. We're going to possess it. This valley is ours. This valley is ours say this. I have, a I have a purpose. I'm going to help Pastor John and Carla. I'm to help John. Together we're going to get this valley saved. We're get this valley saved. <laughs> At least those that want him. Some may be so bent on another direction we may not be able to change their mind. There's a lot of people here that want Jesus if they knew who he really was. That's right. And they're going to know who he really is through you, your love, your faith, your prayers, your joy. Say this. I no longer I struggle, longer with, struggle with, with unclear purpose. Unclear purpose. I'm going to help Jesus, help Jesus win, this win this valley. You got a purpose. So if you pick up a piece of paper in this church, you're helping Jesus win this valley. Because if you didn't pick up that piece of paper, somebody else would. And that might pull them from what they're called to do. If you do cameras, if you watch children, if you, if you support the church financially, if you pray for the church... You're helping reach this valley. Now, the Lord's given us a plan. I shared some things with Carly just a few days ago. A list of things. We're going to take this thing so much more serious. So much more serious. There's over 100,000 people in the Grand Valley. A very small percent of those go to church regularly. And some of those churches, I don't even know if they preach being born again. So those churches wouldn't even count. Golly, I just wish all those people from that other church would come here. That's just church transfer. We want church growth. We want lost people getting saved, finding the plan of God, and moving on with the Lord. I'm not against church transfer. Sometimes the Lord says, "Get out of that church. Go to this church. You've graduated. Go to another one." Great. You have a purpose. And that same word that the Lord spoke to us through Brother Keith Moore, he's speaking to everybody who's called to this church. This valley is yours. I've given it to you. Lay hold on it. Possess it. This valley is yours. This valley is yours. So you get ready for some plans. We're we're hearing from God about some things. We'll release things as we get them more clearly when it's time. But there is. Can I just give you one word? Um, Get ready to work. Because the night's coming when no man can work. Amen. Get ready to work. That's right. How do you spell ministry? W-O-R-K. <laughs> I don't know, there's people that like to work at our church, and I love it because I want them all to work here, but there's people who think, I think sometimes people think, well, I want to work at the church, you know, because I'm sure they just got praise music going all day long, and <laughs> pastors just praying in tongues all day, and no, actually, we're sweating, and we're working hard with administrative things, and, and uh, government things, and things that help to. No, no, it, it's it's... <laughs> I think people think, oh, I want to work for Faith High Church. All the praise music and everybody's just dancing in the spirit, and you know, oh, we don't care about those bills, and we don't care about the air conditioners, and we don't care about the lawn. And no, and as a matter of fact, the Lord told me if I can't take care of a physical building, how can I take care of a spiritual building? That's why we spend time and money and energy on the facilities, and that's why I'm so big on maintenance. Every time I talk to the staff, it seems like the number one thing I feel like the Lord tells me to, other than preaching is make sure your facility is in top-notch shape because it's mine. That's why I'm a stickler. I don't want a bank looking better than our building. I don't want a golf club looking better than our lawn. And we have powerful people who help greatly in this area. And we need more on the landscape team just FYI. (laughs) We want like 10 landscape teams so all this acreage can be broken down into sections and we need and you've had opportunity to do that during our helps meeting but you don't have to wait for helps meeting to inquire so we're warring with the prophecy and the reason I wanted to preface all, all this with that long preface huh, is because when you realize what your purpose is it's easier to be healed and it's easier to walk in health because now you have a heavenly reason to be healthy what if you had to be healed? Child of God, more than a conqueror. What if you had to have some things to fulfill your purpose? The angel said, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. Well, no wonder the storm couldn't kill him, and no wonder the snake bite couldn't kill him. He had to be somewhere for the Lord. Amen. He had to be healed. Why was Jesus never sick? didn't have time too much of the father's business to do what happens when your purpose is so strong you have to have some things well since you're a child of god made in the image and likeness of god your faith just goes to work on it and brings it to pass it's like normal living i can't have this thi- so i say that to say this it's time we're done with disease Amen. There's some things you and I can do, and there's some things we need to think about and listen to, and there's some doors that need to be shut because disease has been having avenue in some people's lives because of certain doors. The curse causes shall not come. There's reasons things happen, and if we're smart, we'll find out what those reasons are. Kick the problem out in the name of Jesus and shut the door. Yes. And not let it in anymore. Anybody interested on kicking disease out of your life once and for all, and shutting the door, and it entering no more? No. It's possible. Says who? The Lord. Don't look around you to see if it's possible. It's possible. And there are people right now watching who have been diagnosed with disease. There's people in here right now, maybe you've got symptoms in your body. Do you need to get this attitude? No more. No more. Jesus has paid way too great a price. I've got a job to do. He loves me. I love people. I need health. I'm claiming it. And sometimes you need to talk to your own body and say, body, get in line. Sometimes just point yourself in the mirror. Look at body, get in line. Back, get in line. He makes the crooked places straight. Kidney, work right the way God originally created you to work. Talk to your body. I talk to my body all the time. It's a part of my daily life. It's not something I do when I constantly talk to my body. Let me say this to you, church. It's a lot easier to stay built up when you're well than to fight against sickness when it's already in your body. It's a lot easier to stay built up when you're well by going over the Scriptures and claiming healing Scripture. It's a lot easier to maintain health than to get healed when you're sick. But you're going to have to do some things when you don't feel like you need to do them because everything feels right. Do You want it to stay right. It's called preventative medicine. Way better. How many think it's way better to stay behind the fence on the cliff than always need an ambulance at the bottom? I think I'd just rather have the fence stay away from some stuff, live in a certain way, instead of always having to call an ambulance because I splat it again. (laughs) Turn to Proverbs 4. Um, As you're turning to Proverbs 4, you know, I got to thinking about how unique this time is right now on the earth. You know, these meetings, our our life in this valley. How unique. It's so unique. I I, I was thinking about this, and, and this thought came to me. There's some things we can't do when we get to heaven. Things you can't do in heaven. Anybody interested in things you can't do in heaven? What can't you do in heaven? You can't witness to the lost in heaven. There's no lost people there. This time right now is very unique. I was looking at my neighbors just the other day. We have a, a glider on our porch. and We have all these wonderful neighbors. It's really like a little village that we live in. It's not like busy streets or anything. It's just... And we're looking at our neighbors across the street. We know almost all our neighbors now. We're getting together with them. And I was saying, Carla? I'm like 50 feet from my neighbors right now. I am not going to get to heaven and find out they're not there without me giving my best to see that they're there. Because very short, in a couple clicks from now, Jesus said, those that don't make it to heaven and those that do make it to heaven, there's a great gulf fixed in between them. They can't pass to you and you can never go to them. Right now, you can go to them. They're only feet away. There's coming a time you will not be able to contact them at all. If you're going to do any evangelizing, it's going to have to happen now. If you're going to bring anybody, you can't witness to people in heaven. That's only unique to this time. There's some things you can't do in heaven. People are going to get to heaven and go, glory to God, this is amazing. Then they're going to go, wait a minute. The lost neighbors, my relatives, I wasn't sure if they were saved. The rich man who died and went to hell told, told Abraham, Abraham, go, go back. go Tell Lazarus to go back. Tell him to go back. He died too. Tell the poor beggar to go back to theirs and tell all my brothers that this thing is real called heaven and hell and God and Jesus. It's real. Well, a little late to be an evangelist when you're already in hell. <clears throat> There's no unbelievers in hell. <laughs> it's just they believe too late. And I thought, what else can't you do in heaven? Well, you can't get anybody healed in heaven because there's nobody sick in heaven. That's unique to this time right here. Well you can't you can't you can't cheer anybody up in heaven because nobody's sad in heaven. That's unique to this time right here. You can't encourage anybody who's depressed in heaven because ain't nobody depressed in heaven. And do you know why there's nobody depressed, sick, and bummed out in heaven? Do you know why? Do you know why heaven is perfect? Do you know why there's nobody sad and why there's no poverty and why there's no sickness? Do you know why there's nothing bad in heaven? Because God always gets his way there. And if he always gets his way in your home, there'll be nothing bad in your home. It'll try to come. It'll bounce off like a Super Bowl. Agreed. Now, do you know why, grads, you don't want to just wake up and decide what to do? You want to discover. Amen. You want to discover, what does God have for my life? Yes. Now, Proverbs 4, in verse 20, I want to show you just for a couple of scriptures that health, you know, uh, never getting sick. Now, church, do you understand if you get sick, that doesn't mean you're a bad person? Doesn't mean you sinned? Huh? It just means you live in a fallen world. Amen. Surrounded by an antagonistic atmosphere. Sicknesses and plagues and demons, things that came in after Adam sinned. Do you understand? You don't have to be a bad person to be sick. I've been sick. And the Lord told me at times, son, you didn't do anything to deserve that. You just don't know some things. There's a door you can close. You didn't commit some terrible sin. You're just, you're you're getting shot at. Good people get shot at in times of war, not just bad people. I can see somebody walk out in the battlefield. I'm a good person. Ain't no enemy going to shoot me. Pew! You're gone, man. You need more than goodness in this thing called life. You need a shield. Take up the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, you know why the devil doesn't want you going to Faith Heights Church? Because the shield of faith will quench all his fiery darts against your life. Fears, lies, diseases, doubts, sicknesses, depression. I know this is, I'm I'm preaching things that maybe you don't hear in every church, but we're not every other church. Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 22. This is what our whole healing school on Monday is based on. If you want to go to healing school, go. Every Monday at noon. So, the wisdom of God through Solomon said, My son or my daughter, attend to my words. So that's this word right here. Incline your ear unto my sayings. That's these words, and that's what you're doing right now. Let these words not depart from your eyes. He's not talking about reading a Bible 24-7. He's talking about reading it enough to where when you close the Bible, His words are still on your mind and in your heart and a part of your daily reality. Keep my words in the midst of your heart. Why say keep if they automatically stayed? There's things that are going to try to knock God's word out of your heart and out of your mind and out of your consciousness. Keep them in the midst of your heart. You have to put three by five cards everywhere. Keep. For my words are life unto those that find them, God said. And my words are health. To all of their spirits in the spirit realm. No, to your little toe. Yes. Pancreas. Brain. All your flesh means what? All my flesh. Well, it means 99% of our flesh, right? No, it means all your flesh. Your nose. Your (laughs) earlobe. Huh? Your heart. Your kidneys. Huh? Well, I don't know if I believe that. Then just. I guess you believe God lied. You can get God's Word into you to such an abundance and love it so much to where it affects your flesh, not just your soul. Thank God for what it does for your soul. But it's time to preach this part of the gospel because the end time army needs to be strong. What does God's Word do to you? One of the things it does to you is it helps you to be healthy in all your flesh. I learned this a long time ago. There's times I have to turn off the TV, turn off the radio, and get in the Word for a season because there's some things I need to overcome in the flesh. I tell you, if I was the, if I was the hospital administrator, I would say, Hey, everybody, you get no secular TV while you're here. It's just the Word of God. It's the Ten Commandments. It's Ben-Hur or whatever. Just things that inspire you. I mean, it's super book if you're a kid, Right. Gospel Bill, Veggie Tales. you're in this hospital, you're getting the Word of God. Are you kidding me? We'll hook up you to an IV, but you're going to watch Gospel Bill, too. (laughs) Why, Why? Because if you attend to His words, His words are medicine to all your flesh. You need help, you need Word. It's interesting, in Jesus' ministry, I know we think He just went about healing everybody. The Bible says over and over and over again, the multitudes came to Him to hear... And to be healed. They didn't just come to be healed. A lot of times they had to hear things before they could be healed because there was blocks in them, doubts in them. But when they heard the Lord's preaching, it opened them up to the love of God and they received healing. Hmm, this is important. Isn't this interesting? If anything comes against your body that's not right, God's Word will fix it. He didn't say my words are medicine to all your flesh except your liver. No. Go ahead. What should you do if something comes against your flesh? Hook yourself up to God's medicine. Amen. There's a constant flow. Yes. And believe it. Um, Psalm 91, 10. I, let's, let's read this. Health is a Bible word. Did you see that? Health is a Bible word. Health to all your flesh. Healing is a Bible word, and that's good. But I like health better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sickness tries to come against me, and it dies. Do you know, last week we talked about Jesus is in trouble. Remember that? Yep. No, no, no. He's not in trouble because he did something bad. He's in the trouble you're in to get you out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the fiery furnace heated seven times hotter because they wouldn't bow to some dumb 90-foot golden god that Nebuchadnezzar had made. Oh, when you hear all the music, when you hear all the music play, bow down and worship my god. These guys said, ain't going to do it, dude. Ain't going to do it. And they were in politics. They had been raised up by the king Nebuchadnezzar in politics. They're kind of like in... Israel was in, like, captivity for a while, and Nebuchadnezzar thought these guys were great, put them in politics, and they're ruling and reigning, and, but they wouldn't bow to his dumb God. And so Nebuchadnezzar says, Is this true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Is this true? You're not going to bow to my statue? Is this true? Because when you hear the salt tree, and the sackbut, and the dulcimer, and, and all this music, and, and if you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace, and not only that, I'm going to heat it seven times hotter. Why? (laughs) It said, the mightiest men in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom picked up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and threw them in the fire. And it said, the mightiest men in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom died instantly from throwing them in. Mm -hmm. And they threw these three Hebrew, Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. And the king was looking. And he goes, didn't we only throw three in the fire? He said, Behold, I see a fourth man, and he looks like a son of God. And they're walking in the midst of the furnace. The fiery f- The men that threw them in are dead. They're toast. And the other, he's seen, and they said, Come forth, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they came out of the fire. None of their clothes were singed. and didn't even smell like smoke. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter 3 that the fire had no power over their bodies. These were servants of God. You're a child of God if you're born again. You're under a better covenant established upon better promises. I thought it was interesting. It said the fire had no power over their bodies. How about coronavirus has no power over my body? Now, if you read what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, they did something that most people think is crazy. They said, hey, king, if you throw us in the fire... Our God will deliver us. If you don't throw us in the fire, we're still not going to bow to your dumb God. He got mad. The form of his his visage changed. (laughs) I guess he went... (laughs) He didn't like that. So they threw him in. And they came out. And then when they came out, King Nebuchadnezzar said, Oh, the whole kingdom is going to worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he said, Anybody who doesn't worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we will cut them to pieces. This king was freaky. I mean, one minute, you're going to die, boys. Next minute, your God's my God. (laughs) Just be a believer, dude. Just quit looking for all these outward signs. But it said the fire had no power over their bodies. Say this, coronavirus, Coronavirus. you have no power power over my body because my God is able able to keep me me protected protected. and he will and he he does in Jesus name. I can just see in the spirit realm right there, coronavirus cells dying, flaking off, falling, evaporating from the insides of people's bodies. Why? Because you believe God. Not because you're perfect. Don't worry about your past track record. Just keep your eyes on the blood of Jesus. You can claim victory no matter what your past is like. Jesus didn't come to call the righteous. He came to call sinners. You are His, you are His purpose. Psalm 91, verse 10. Man, if this, isn't, if this isn't health and divine protection, I don't know what is. There shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague or epidemic come near your dwelling. What is this? Psalm 91. God's telling us. There's coming a day where plagues and pestilence are going to be all around you. Jesus said an end time. Jesus said one of the signs of the end time was earthquakes in diverse places and pestilence and epidemics would be on an increase in the last days. The Spirit of God told us, church, He told us months ago, recently, He's told you and He's told me, these are the beginning of sorrows. And He also told us, if you're a believer, and your eyes are on Him, and you're walking with Him, and you're trusting in His mercy, you're going to be fine during this whole end times. I don't like to use these words. I hate using these words. But I'm going to say it just so you'll understand. I would be afraid to be living in this time and not a Christian. Fearful times. There are things coming on the planet that there'll be no cure for in the natural. There'll be no defense for in the natural. But if you're in the Lord, you're in Him, it has to get through Him to get to you. And ain't no missile, ain't no plague going to get through him. So don't worry about it getting to you. No evil shall befall you and no plague will come near your dwelling. It may try, but when it sees the blood, it must pass over you. you. You know where the word Passover came from? The death angel saw the blood on the doorposts in the house of the spotless lamb. And the death angel said, got to pass over here, but I can stop here. And he did. And people died from a plague. All the firstborn in Egypt died except those that had the blood on the doorposts. Now, do you know why the devil, you know, wants you to think the blood is weird? Because it's the blood that protects you from his deceptions and plagues and diseases. You know what I say? Get get used to saying, thank God for the blood of Jesus. Get used to saying, I believe in the blood of Jesus. Get used to saying, I believe in the blood of Jesus. I believe in the blood of Jesus. I believe, oh, church, listen, listen, you're going to dig this. Listen, listen. Jesus said, oh, he... he, (laughs) Matthew 8, you can turn there if you want, but the Bible says a leper came up to Jesus and worshipped him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And the Bible said, Jesus said, I am willing. And the Bible says Jesus touched him. Now listen closely. You don't touch a leper or you get leprosy. That's why they had to cry unclean when they saw people in the distance. That's why they had to stay in their own little caves, in their own little part of town, the leper colonies. Because the law said, you got to stay away. But Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, which includes healing and health. And so Jesus sees a leper, comes up to him, and Jesus didn't go, where's my mask? (laughs) If that's where you're at, fine. Operate where you're at. Don't pretend and be hurt. That's right. If that's where you're at, put the mask on. Nothing wrong. If that's where you're at. You're still going to have to believe God, though, because there ain't no mask that can stop all diseases, so you better still believe God. Yes. But the Bible says Jesus laid hands on a leper. World says, natural law says Jesus is now contagious with leprosy. It's not what happened. Jesus laid hands on the man with leprosy and the man was immediately healed. He received his healing and was immediately made clean. Jesus said, believer, the works that I do shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do because I'm going to my Father. You've got to carry the healing ministry on because I'm out of here. I'm going to be at the right hand of the Father geographically. I need my body to do what I did because I still want sick people healed. Are you listening? Yes. What about my life is causing me to be afraid of getting a contagious disease when I'm around a contagious person? You and I need to answer that question quick. Is it just lack of spiritual development? Is it hidden sins? Is it holding secrets from your spouse? What's hurting your faith to where you have that fear that if I walk into a room where people are coughing and sneezing and they all have COVID, what's keeping me from walking into that room and laying hands on every single one of them and believing what's in me is getting on them, not what's in them is getting on me? You need to an- we all need to answer this question. What's, where's the hesitation coming from? Answer it, deal with it, and get back in where you're supposed to be. It didn't say he laid hands on the leper and Jesus got leprosy. It said he laid hands on the leper and the leper got healed. That's right. We are the contagious ones. Yes. Yes. Amen. The wicked one is supposed to be not able to touch us. That's right. You following me? That'll be the last scripture we go to. But you need to understand: the wicked one is not supposed to be able to touch us. His diseases are not supposed to stick. They may come flying our way. They're supposed to bounce off and die. And if and if and if we're afraid of laying hands on a sick person who's contagious with a quote-unquote deadly disease, you need to ask yourself: Why are you afraid? Here, here's here's I'm going to answer that with a question. Are you ready? Is the church that backslid? To where we're more concerned about getting sick from a person who's got a disease than them getting healed by what the Lord said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Are we backslid in church? Because if we are, we need to realize it. Be honest and start front sliding as quickly as possible. Look in First John chapter 5. We'll close with this, and then we'll receive our offering. First John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, verse 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sins not. No, don't let that freak you out. He's talking about not practicing sin. We know that whoever is born of God does not practice sin, but he that is begotten of God keeps himself, and that wicked one touches him not. Right. The wicked one touches him not. <laughs> Who? Yeah, the wicked one can't touch us if we're walking in the light. That doesn't mean you know everything, you just walk into the light that you do have. That's right. Right? Right. Notice this, guys. The wicked one touches him not. How does that happen? You keep yourselves. Where? Okay, one more scripture, because it goes with this. I'm sorry, it's the part B of this scripture. Jude, look at the book of Jude, keeps yourself. What do you mean, keep yourself? What do you mean, keep yourself? Jude, just turn to the right a couple pages. And look at verse... Twenty-one. how many want the wicked one touching you not Amen. you don't want disease getting a hold of you it's great to be healed and there's some people that are getting healed today because you're hearing the word and it's health to all your flesh how many want to stay healthy yes. anybody interested in staying healthy yes. you know disease not interrupting your dream you know what I mean sickness not interrupting your peaceful joyful life in God being a blessing to your family, getting married, having kids. How many want sickness not interrupting your life? Keep yourselves where? In the love of God. All right. If you want to be healed and you want to stay in health, you're going to have to ask yourself regularly, am I walking in love? Mm-hmm. Am I forgiving? Mm-hmm. Now, Now listen closely, guys. Listen to this. People are going to do things to you and around you and what, what, what I'm gonna tell you right now is, is life saving, okay? People are gonna do things, whether you know them or don't know them, government or whoever, things are gonna happen around you. And what it really is behind the scenes, it's the devil picking a fight with you. That's right. And if you fight back, you will not have the confidence you need to be healed and stay healthy. If you have fought back, if you have done these things, ask the Lord to forgive you, mean it from your heart, and get back into confidence and boldness and get ready for health to spring forth in your life. Listen closely. The devil is constantly trying to pick fights with us through other people that are mean. You know, if, if, if a person does something for the reason to hurt somebody else... That's demonic. you, you, you got to watch out about doing things to get back at people and doing things. Who's our example? Now, see, here's something real bad. It's really bad when people want to hurt me. That's bad. You know, that's bad. And if your goal was to hurt me, congratulations. Hope you feel good about hurting me. You know, that's, that's what turns you on. Hope, I hope you're happy. Congratulations. You and the devil are very similar. But you know what's really, really bad? Is when somebody does something to somebody I love. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you start remembering where your clip is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least the bat. <laughs> you, well, listen, listen. Jesus. Just think about Jesus. You know, in situations like that, don't go. What would Jesus do? Know the Bible enough. Know the Bible enough to say what did He do? Yeah. Yeah. You don't just guess at the last minute. What would Jesus do? read the Bible to you? Know what He would do, and did do. What did He do? Now think about this. All right. His closest family member was his cousin. Because he was in the ministry, preaching the gospel, fulfilling the words of Isaiah. John the Baptist was powerful on the earth, getting people baptized. Jesus came to him and said, baptize me, man. And he did. And and heavens were open, And John saw the dove descending upon Jesus. The Holy Ghost came on him. John and Jesus were like close ministry friends and family. And the Lord's out ministering, and John's out baptizing people, and they're starting the will of God, and things are happening, and Jesus feels like there's somebody in the earth realm that understands me. There's somebody in the earth realm that loves ministry, loves my Father's work. John the Baptist is the greatest preacher that ever lived, man. He loved him. And one day, he gets news from his disciples, Jesus. John the Baptist was just murdered in a drunken orgy. His head was cut off because Herodias danced before Herod and pleased him. And she, he said, "I'll give you half of my kingdom, honey." And she said, "Just give me John the Baptist's head, and to charge him, we'll call it even, darling." And they cut his head off. The disciples buried his corpse, and they told Jesus, and they said, "Jesus, they just killed John the Baptist for preaching the truth." How many know Jesus felt like going, that's it? I got tens of thousands of people on my side. We're going to Herod's castle right now. And the least we're going to do is make it known how we disapprove of what he just did. You don't hear one thing about Herod you don't hear one thing about Herodias. Jesus heard that news, took off and withdrew himself into a wilderness and prayed, got his spiritual bearings straight, realized this is not worth it, the devil's trying to pick a fight with me, I'm not fighting on his level, I'm just going to continue to do what my father called me to do. And it said multitudes came out to him and he healed them all. Yes, that's right. yeah. How do you fight back? go to the father in prayer and keep doing what he told you to do. Right. You're going to see John in a few clicks anyway, Jesus. He's with the Father. You're going to be with the Father soon. Everything's going to be all right. They can't take a they might take a physical life, they can't take his soul. That's right. Right. That's good. Listen, if you're struggling with the disease, you want to ask yourself the question, is there anything I'm doing in the violation of love area that I need to correct? Because you really need to think about that and pray about that. Because even when you do get healed, if you do get healed, you're going to want to stay healthy. And you're going to want to stop. Again, I say unto you, Satan is endeavoring to get Christians today through all this politics stuff. He's endeavoring to get you to violate love. He's getting... He's, he's, he does not want your faith ready for His next attack. And faith works by love. Mm-hmm. Listen closely. He does not want your faith ready for His next... Will there be a next attack? News flash. These are only the beginning of sorrows. Yeah. Wave after wave. Are you listening? There's something that will quench all diseases. Amen. What about a vaccine for this? What about if I eat right for this? What about if something comes in and there is no vaccine for and there is no good food for? Amen. What I'm talking about today will resist all that stuff. Exactly right. And listen closely. As much as you may not like certain people in government positions of authority, if you violate love toward them, your faith won't work, and if you need healing, you need to stop it. That's right. You need to stop it. And just repent of it, and He'll forgive you, but you need to stop it. It's hard to believe God for healing, and at the same time, you're criticizing people in authority. It's called violations of love, and Paul said, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many of you die young. That's right quoting Scripture. They didn't die young because they weren't waiting for the believers to come. That was an outward sign of them violating love. And the Bible says, for many, he said, many of you in the church of Corinth, many of you, for this cause, many of you are weak, you're sick, and you're not living out your full time because you're violating love and you're not repenting. Every violation of love is a step out of, every, every step out of love is sin. But it's not an unforgivable sin. You can repent. You can grow. You can develop. Say, Lord, forgive me. I'm not going to do that anymore. You want to walk in health, you need to be very interested in love. Get the book, Love the Way to Victory, by Kenneth Hagin. It'll help you greatly. Love the Way to Victory. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry,